none. Game three on Thursday night. Van Vliet rejected by Tice. Tatum looking to push. Leaves it for Smart. Wide open look. Buries a three. Great job, Lips. Yeah, he's a 16-point-per-game score. Think how good their bench was. Remember, against Brooklyn in game four, they had 100 points as uh, Smart hits another three. Boston back within four. The pair of 30-point games in their first-round sweep of Philadelphia. Looking for his third of the postseason here. Smart. Three ball again. Hits again. Marcus Smart with three three-pointers here in the fourth. Three possessions. Well, Norman Powell knocking down the free throws. Toronto by three. Three minutes gone by. Here in the fourth quarter of game two. And the Celtics extend their lead. Marcus Smart with four fourth quarter three-pointers. It's incredible. Ten, the most he's... Yeah, Lowry on Tatum. And Ibaka reaches in to try to strip tight. Shot clock at eight. Tatum. Nice pass. Smart launches. Oh, it's good! And a foul! Marcus Smart is owning the three-point line tonight. 17 and a half points. Step in, Marcus Smart. Wow. There's a chance that uh, they'll get Gordon Hayward back at some point if they advance, but and Marcus Smart as a starter has been phenomenal. 19. Varel, it's been one hell of a ride since we re-recorded our last podcast. Of course, that podcast, as many of you have listened to, and thank you, was a more a thoughtful one about the NBA players' very temporary strike action. Uh, but <laughs> it's just five days later, the Raptors are two games away from crashing out of the playoffs. And I guess it would turn into a very, very pathetic title defense if the series keeps going this way. Um, you know what? It's Raptors are 2-0 down to the Boston Celtics. For our, let's get right into it. We both streamed this game on Hot Mike yesterday. We both know what's up. We both saw the intricacies of the play, of the coaching on both sides. Mm-hmm. Tell me, in maybe in a nutshell, in one or two points, what went wrong for Nick Nurse and the boys? Camille, does Nick Nurse know what went wrong for the boys? Because after game one, he put it down to maybe a lack of energy, a lack of effort. They weren't running back on to defend a fast break like they normally do. They didn't get out on the fast break like they normally do. They are one of the best teams, as we said during the stream yesterday. When it comes to fast break points, they look dysfunctional in game one. And we thought that may just be a blip, especially... Because the analysis on B-ball breakdown, which is the holy grail, the Bible of all basketball analysis, I recommend everyone subscribes to them on YouTube. But uh, Nick, Coach Nick, I believe, yep, there's two Coach Nicks, that's quite strange. Coach Nick did point out that it could perhaps be a blip this uh, first game in the series. So we were quite optimistic going into game two, but... I only watched the first half, Camille, so we shared the commentary on that game. And in the first half, things actually looked very good for the Raptors. I did manage to catch highlights of the second half, but the fact that they lost actually surprised me just as much as anyone else. Could you maybe give an insight as to what went wrong in the second half? Yeah, so as we said, it was looking looking very good. At the end of the third quarter, the Raptors, of course, kept the first half very close, went in two down thanks to a late 
Pascal Siakam buzzer beater three uh, from the logo. And uh, after three quarters, going into the final one, they were up by uh, they were up by five. So you know they turned it around. They were, had control of the game. Serge Ibaka nailed a couple of threes uh, start of the fourth to really press home that advantage. But then you can't account for Marcus Smart turning into Steph Curry and hitting <laughs> five threes. He scored 16 points in three minutes and four seconds. And I know I know he's a good player. I know he's a good player, right? And My favourite player, Camille. <laughs> Sorry? My favourite player. I've said it many times. He's the best player in the league. Boban, not, not Boban, um, Bogdan Bogdanovic, whatever his name is, uh, Utah Jazz, he's number two. LeBron James maybe number three. Marcus Smart is number one. Yeah, I mean, well, if anyone had just watched yesterday's game in isolation, there would be no doubt that he would he was the GOAT. He not only hit those threes, and overall, you know, 19 points. Uh, he was six from 11 from three shooting, of course, five of them coming in the fourth quarter. But his plays on the defensive end, you know, oh, stripping Siakam uh, when he was going for a layup. Phenomenal. He has Siakam's number, and we'll go on to the Raptors later on, but we just have to give credit to Marcus Smart for this performance. And, you know, as, as good as the Raptors' defense was, especially in the second and third quarter, Marcus Smart, according to um, statistics, was worth 0.38 wins on his own just for his shooting. And that was considering he'd committed five turnovers in the game. He himself, just him, was almost worth 40% of the game. So, um, you know, the second and third quarter, the Raptors had limited Boston to just 42 points over that stretch. But they scored 32 in the last quarter and, you know, it was it was unstoppable. Um, another Celtics player I'd like to focus on who you managed to get a glimpse of in the first half. And actually, I do feel sorry for you as a Marcus Smart fan that you weren't able to watch his magic live mm. late in the game. But uh, Jason Tatum put up a great performance as well. He went to the free throw line 14 times uh, for his 34 points. But he was also he was also excellent. It's his playoff record. Um, what did you what did you make of him going forward as the Celtics number one option? Yeah, I mean, something we highlighted in, at the start of Game 2 was that in Game 1, he was slightly passive offensively, particularly in the first half. And in the first game, we did see more of a balanced scoring effort. Um, all the starters, all five Celtic starters, scored in double digits. And if you actually look at the playoff averages, Camille, this Boston team has heavily relied on the scoring of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Campbell Walker, all three have been averaging over 20 points. And that's what you need from Jason Tatum. You do need him to go for 25, 30 points for them to be a true contender because he is the superstar of that team. And I was very happy to see in the first half, obviously, um, as a Toronto fan, I was happy, but it was good to see him be aggressive. He shot the ball extremely efficiently in the half that I watched. Um, that's what he needs to do for them to win games. No, that's fair. And uh, I guess their third option almost, instead of being Jalen Brown, yeah. has become Robert Williams, who during the first two games, uh, I'm just looking at the stats now, but I believe he's shooting 100%. He's 10 for yeah. 10 over yes. the two games. And he's really making a big difference on both ends of the floor. 
Yeah, he was getting offensive rebounds. Uh, I think he got three maybe in the first half. He was just cleaning up on the glass. And I said that this is a troubling thing for the Raptors because when you have an athletic big, that's one of the types of players that they're going to struggle with. He, uh, Siakam was on Jalen Brown all night. So you didn't really have anyone that could uh, put up the same kind of energy and um, just athleticism as he did. So uh, it was in the first half he actually got all of his points. And like you said, 10 over 10 or 10 for 10 across two games is just ridiculous. Will we see this continue? Maybe, maybe not. But with Ennis Kemp actually basically getting zero minutes uh, so far, I think it looks like he's going with Daniel Tice as his number one centre option. And with the kind of contribution that Robert Williams is giving, um, maybe he'll look to play in him as an, you know, an increasing second option at the centre position. No, that's right. And, um, well, we've talked a lot about Boston. And we didn't even mention Kemba Walker, who, despite only going 6 for 18, he actually started... 0 for 12, and then I believe he hit his last shots, including um, a late dagger to close out the game, which some people said was a travel, but we won't discuss now. But, um, I mean, you can't say this isn't... If you're not a Raptors fan, it's a very fun Boston team to watch. And, um, you know, if I was a fan, if I was a fan in Massachusetts right now, I'd be very excited about them going forward. But, you know, enough about enough about Boston. Let's um, move on. Kamel, Kamel. Okay. As okay. much as I hate to harp on one other point, this is a please, please. I need to ask you as well. Please. What do you think about Gordon Hayward's return to this team? I discussed it in the game yesterday. Currently, I think he's come back into the bubble post that injury. He only managed to play one game in that Philly series before he went out. And so far, if you'd again ask me, um, would the Celtics be able to contest? the Raptors without Gordon Hayward, I would say yes, definitely. But for them to be up 2-0 without Gordon Hayward, that would have surprised me. And again, Marcus Smart shooting extremely efficiently from three, which is by far and away his biggest weakness. My question to you is, how necessary is Gordon Hayward's return? And do you think perhaps that it might even hinder this team if he does return to the starting lineup? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're Brad Stevens right now, you don't want to change this winning formula. I mean, it's elite perimeter defense combined with, you know, Jason Tatum as the number one option and relying on, you know, uh, players getting hot from outside, from beyond the arc. So I wouldn't change a winning formula. Maybe he can take semi Olajai's minutes. Maybe he can play like a useful bench role. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shoving him back into that starting rotation by any means if I was Brad Stevens now, despite... His immense talent, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, let's uh, move on to Toronto. Should we discuss the good or the bad first? Because despite the results so far, there has been a good mix of um, positives and negatives. So what, what are we going for first? OG Ananobi, maybe? Yeah, OG. So uh, Raptors top scorer with 20 points, including some wonderful moves in the post. Lovely to see... Uh, OG being very aggressive when driving to the rim and, of course, becoming one of the team's most reliable three-point shooters. Four triples from beyond the arc out of six attempted. Um, And really, he should have been that number one option going into the final stretch of the game. He wasn't used as much as fans would have wanted him to be. But I guess as a third... I mean, but overall, if you look at OG as a third option on this team... 
someone who'll play good defense, someone who'll stand in the corner and, you know, hit two thirds of his open threes. There's absolutely no shoot. One thing I did love the two times he totally faked out Jason Tatum, got him to buy <laughs> yeah. side step and nailed it. And I said this on the hot mic stream as well. But, you know, that kind of confidence, I absolutely love. And he does look very cool. He reminds me a lot of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the Arsenal player. In terms of whatever <laughs> the situation, he'll have the same expression on his face. And, of course, that reminds us all a little bit of uh, OG's mentor last season, Kawhi Leonard, in terms of how he approaches the games. Mm. So, oh, really? Is he his mentor? Well, yeah, I mean, they both played the same position. And um, there were several reports about how they got on quite well, OG and Kawhi. Of course, okay. very similar, quiet personalities and same position. One can definitely play a veteran role. Yeah, so, yeah, that. hopefully hopefully he can. He's, he's a real positive going forward. Other positives yesterday, Serge Ibaka, maybe. Uh, he hit uh, as, In the first game as well. In the first game as well, yeah. Yeah, he's been delivering. And he did play more minutes than Gasol yesterday. But there's an argument that he should really be taking the lion's share of the minutes at the five. Because Gasol... Both this game and last game, I mean, yesterday he fouled out six points and six fouls. In game one, he didn't perform so well either. He gave nothing on the offensive end. And there's a big argument to be made that it should be Serge playing, you know, 35 minutes or so a game and leaving Gasol off the bench. What do you think of the Spaniards' prospects going forward in this series? I actually see it one of two ways. For Gasol, I would actually like him to be actually on this court at the same time as Ibaka which might seem kind of strange to start with. But when you have those two on the court at the same time, you have such a considerable advantage in that big position in terms of height and length. You've got the six, eight Daniel ties. So rebounding, which has just been an issue for this team all season, again, due to a lack of height, you kind of then make that an advantage against this Celtics team. And one thing about Ibaka is at the four, he can keep up with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, to an extent, on the perimeter. He does move his feet very well. Um, having Gasol as the centre, they need to look at this from a matchup perspective because he's not going against Gobert. He's not going against Embiid. That is the type of, the prototypical type of player that Gasol is extremely effective against. And so you don't need that same kind of strong interior defence that you would need against those teams, against the Celtics team. Even Daniel Tice is a centre who plays with a little bit of finesse. He's not uh, slamming the ball home. He's, you know, scoring from the mid-range, sometimes shooting three points as well. And we saw with Robert Williams, even with Gasol out there, he can't really do much against somebody who's that supremely athletic. So I completely agree with that sentiment, Kamel. Um, Gasol also hasn't been shooting the ball well during the playoffs at all, and we always praise just all the little things that he does, right? Some He's similar to Larry in that sense. But I think for this particular series and for these these kind of matchups that he's getting, he's not as integral to this team as Ibaka, who he was just so confident uh, from the three-point line. He uh, acted as like the trailing big, um, receiving the dribble handoff and just pulling up from three. That's the kind of thing we want to see. So, yes, I would like to see Ibaka's minutes replaced with Gasol's, but I also think maybe experimenting with those two on the court together, which Nick Nurse did actually do in game one, and it was somewhat effective. They were only minus four, um, which is actually kind of a good thing, given how much the Raptors were blown out that game. So, 
Yeah, that's how I see it. Gasol, not on his on the court on his own. Rather, I'd like to see him with Ibaka, or I'd like to see Ibaka take the centre minutes. Yep, no, I totally agree with that sentiment. Um, you mentioned three point shooting there, and game one, Toronto shot ten for forty from beyond the arc. Game two, eleven for forty. It could have been made even worse. They were almost rescued by the likes of OG and Ibaka with that because together, Van Vliet and Lowry were three from 19 from three, which is crazy when you really think about it. You think about last season, especially how they were raining down triples. And, you know, that was a huge, huge um, factor behind the championship run. Not only Kawhi, but the three-point shooting of those guards, really. So I I don't know if this is an anomaly. It's something that, as you said, B-Ball Breakdown, he brought up in game one and said the Raptors are getting open looks. You know, there's there's absolutely no issue. They, sh- they should reg- almost regress to the mean in terms of their three-point shooting. But this is two games now, and they're 21 from 80 from three. It's 26%. So... I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm expecting a ret- return maybe to 35% shooting and because that'll be enough for a win next game. That'll be, that was enough for a win in this game too. Um, Camille, Camille, Camille. I very much disagree. I don't disagree with Coach Nick's analysis. Don't really disagree with anything you said apart from saying um, both of those guys, they did the latest stretches of the playoffs, but you obviously remember how much or the struggles Van Vliet had in the earlier stages of the playoffs. And it's something that I brought up yesterday. I said, look, Van Vliet has been Mr. Consistent in the bubble and during the um, Magic series, not Magic series. um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn series. (laughs) And um, he was Mr. Consistent. And I was thinking, look, this is him coming into his superstar role, you know? Uh, just for him to not be having these games where he's shooting so poorly from the field and from the three. And we've now seen two games in a row. And do we now say it's not a blip now that it's happened in two games? I hope not, obviously, for Van Vliet's sake. But a thing does have to be said for Boston's defence. The In game two, what I saw was, yes, there were slightly open shots missed, but there was one possession I highlighted in the first half where under most conditions, most players in that position, in Marcus Smart's position, would have left, um, I believe it was Van Vliet in the corner wide open. But Marcus Smart's recovery was spectacular. He didn't block the shot or anything, but he just managed to put a hand up just to put him off. And that possession by itself told me everything because although... Uh, the Raptors uh, sometimes did find open shots in that game. You can probably agree with me on this, Kamel. They seem to be out of ideas on the offensive end. They sometimes ran a couple of screens with um, a couple of pick and rolls with Gasol, whether it was Van Vliet or or whether it was Lowry. Um, They had Siakam actually act as the facilitator from, uh, from the top of the key, which I thought was interesting. But they seemed so bereft of ideas and they didn't they were under pressure for a lot of those shots, for a lot of those threes, a lot of um, mid-rangers as well. So um, I think maybe it was slightly different from the first game. They did really struggle to find their shots. And 
I don't know. I think Nick Nurse needs to make adjustments in terms of what kind of plays he's actually being uh, going to be uh, needing to run from these games forward because they really, really were struggling, particularly in the first half. Well, I mean, firstly, you've got to consider the other side, right? The Celtics, arguably, are they the best perimeter defense team in the in the league, if not the Eastern Conference? Um, I would, I would say at least yeah. they're well up there. Um, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah have almost made their game this season on creating open shots from the three. So there's two factors there. One, they're going to struggle to do that against this team. Two, yes. once, if once they do it, and, you know, they attempted, uh, as we said, 43s in both games, which is a significant amount, and maybe you expect to make 18 or something in a normal normal game. Um. Shots just aren't going in. Shots just aren't going. And, you know, they admitted it after. They just, shots they would have made in the bubble in the regular season before lockdown, they're just not flying. Uh, Just on the offensive, other offensive tactics that Nick Nurse has run. Yeah, you're right. You could see it was mainly Siakam acting as the first option, occasionally a facilitator, occasionally a scorer. But it was, yeah, I mean, usually Ibaka or Gasol, Gasol would set a high screen from him. And then Lowry and Van Vliet would try and, uh, you know, come off screens to get an open three. And then you'd have someone like OG standing in the corner. So they created exactly. good opportunities, yeah. right? Van, you know, but you count mm. for your two shooting guards so. going three for 19. And, that, and that's the yeah. game. You know, if the Raptors hit two threes, we're talking about quite overall quite a strong performance, despite a Marcus Smart comeback in the fourth quarter. So I, yeah. I'm more optimistic. Yeah. One thing I do want to talk about, just the last point, is Pascal's reaction. Yeah. Because I did mention in the Brooklyn series in one of our podcasts that he's not been up to scratch and I'm quite nervous about him being a first option instead of someone like Lowry or Van Vliet. Um, you know, the Raptors obviously don't have a superstar, but in the postseason, as we've seen, especially in the Utah-Denver series, you do need someone to step up, right? Utah and Denver, they're two teams, almost the definition of all-round teams with a lot of depth and a lot of quality players. But Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell both led their teams respectively to glory in the seven-game series. So, but I'm yeah. unsure, Siakam just doesn't seem to have the mental strength to do that. There's no doubt about it. No, no. He's a good dribbler. He's good. In, he's a transition player, of course, which has, he has, we haven't seen too much of in this game. In, in Due to Boston. Due to Boston. Yeah, due to Boston. Be being clever, not crashing the boards, people having people back. Um, and, of course, winning quite a few offensive rebounds as well. But, yeah, he's 6 for 16 yesterday. Um, some very poor offensive play down the stretch. And... I'm not sure. If you're Nick Nurse, what do you do with him? Kamel. Yes. Yes, sorry. Um, Kamel, Kamel. I, again, I agreed with everything but one thing there. I don't think it has anything to do with mental strength. Jalen Brown is doing a phenomenal job on him. And it's not just Jalen Brown because, again, when we looked at yesterday's game, when Siakam was facilitating at the top of the key, Siakam doesn't have the handle, for, for the most part, to blow past Jaden Brown. So he was having to look for um, handoffs to the guards and m- maybe uh, receive 
the ball after and off the ball screen, that kind of thing. That's the kind of action he was receiving at the top of the key, and it didn't never really led to anything. What he did try to do was coming in from the left block, from the left corner, and just try to post up and just bully Jalen Brown. And the thing with the problem with that was the Boston Celtics saw it coming from a mile away. They knew Nick Nurse has talked openly about the fact that he wants uh, Siakam to post up. And so what happened? They would get another body there. Um, Tice would be there to either contest the shot with him. You'd either have him or maybe you'd have Jason Tatum putting a hand in there just to disrupt Siakam. And in the first half, uh, there were like two or three possessions that looked almost identical where he came down from on the left block and he turned towards the basket, took these long strides, and he was just massively off balance due to the great defense that Boston played, and he put up really horrible shots. It did work once or twice, but I think it just—it was just too predictable. I think that was the main issue. Um, I don't put a massive amount of blame on Sackham, and you are right. When you look at his strength, he's not able to utilize his strength in this game in terms of coming out, going out in transition and scoring buckets. And so when you see him in that half-court setting, he's perhaps not as dominant as somebody like Yanis is in the half-court. Because in transition, they're, in my opinion, I said in yesterday's game, they're the best two transition players in the NBA. And so, um, yeah, maybe Nick Nurse needs to, again, draw up more plays. But I wouldn't say he's doing something terribly wrong. I just think they just need to make some adjustments, especially because it is down to how well Jalen Brown is defending him as well. No, that's right. And uh, that's quite a good note to round off this podcast on. Um, I guess the last question I'd ask you. So if, if you're Nick Nurse, in a nutshell, what's the one thing you're going to do to ensure this series isn't a sweep and to ensure the Raptors can take what is now, I guess, the most crucial Game three in quite a long time. Since the Bucks series, sorry, for last year. Good question. Uh, I do want to give that question straight back to you as well. I, we've discussed quite a few things, so I'll say maybe something slightly different here. I'd actually like to see Carl Lowry be the main point guard facilitator because they've shared, they've shared this facilitator role among Van Vliet, um, even Gasol sometimes... Uh, out on the top of the key. Uh, Siakam, like I was saying yesterday, I'd like to see Kyle Lowry just take like maybe six, seven, eight possessions in a row and just run the offense through him. We are, I think, missing out on that strength of his. He is one of the best passing point guards in the league and you just aren't really seeing it um, in these two games so far. So maybe that would add another dimension to their play. I don't know, Kamal. Yeah, no, I agree with you on Lowry. But at the same time, I would uh, introduce Mr. 99% Matt Thomas. Into... <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm just saying you need a quick three. You need someone to change the game like Marcus. Yeah, okay. Yesterday, the one thing I was most frustrated about was three points uh, deficit to go. Last possession of the game, 5.3 seconds left when uh, Raptors grabbed the rebound. They had a timeout and they didn't use it and said it was a Van Vliet chucking a three-pointer over Jason Tatum and totally bricking it. Tell you what, use a timeout there, get Matt Thomas on the floor and suddenly you have OG, Van Vliet, Lowry, Matt Thomas and maybe Siakam or even Norman Powell there. And suddenly you've got five threats 
on the floor. But Matt Thomas, I think you should introduce him. Give him 10 minutes. I you wholeheartedly know, agree. Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher are not doing anything right now. Um, and this is quite, you know, the bench needs to totally step up. Well, um, Ryan, unless you've got anything to add, I think we should wrap up there. Yeah. We're going to... If I guess if Game 3 is a monumental success, we can perhaps podcast after that. But otherwise, we'll probably see you after the next two games. And we're desperately hoping that's not the last of the Raptors' involvement in this postseason. Um, and uh, next episode as well, we'll also cover the games around the league slightly more as yep. the yep. conference semifinals finally gets underway everywhere else. Of course, we saw Miami carry off, carry out a shocking win against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. And, uh, of course, Denver complete a 3-1 comeback. So, uh, Ralph, thanks very much for joining. Peace out.